0: Welcome to Return to Oz Minute. We are the podcast that is going to analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 1985 movie Return to Oz. I'm your host, Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. This is our first full episode, Minute 1. We are using the DVD version of Return to Oz, and it starts with Farooza Balk's intro welcoming us to her first movie. And it ends 60 seconds later with Dorothy Gale... Lying awake and not not that much happens this minute. Gonna gonna be honest with you guys, <laughs> it is the Walt Disney credit, the title card, and then uh, panning from a window into a bedroom, across Toto lying on the bed and Dorothy lying awake in bed. That's that's the minute, folks.
1: <laughs> well, uh, given that this is a Uh, more or less direct sequel to the uh, original uh, Wizard of Oz movie. Very little was needed here, clearly. Uh, Everything is just how we (laughs) left it. Dorothy is a late teenager. Uh, Toto is there. Uh, The house is back.
0: Dorothy's an early teenager. (laughs) What are you talking about? It's black and white.
1: Everything. Oh, wait. Uh... Oh, no. This isn't really a sequel at all.
0: Mike, I think you dreamed that movie. So, we are in Disney's Return to Oz. They, as I mentioned in our pilot episode, which you can listen to, this is kind of a mashup of two sequels that L. Frank Baum wrote, The Marvelous Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz. So, we're going to have a little bit of interesting fiddling with the story of Dorothy Gale and The Land of Oz. Uh, yes, in this movie, Kansas is in color. Woohoo!
1: Color everywhere. The <laughs> script, in fact, uh, this is the seventh draft. I don't know if that's the final draft uh, from not February 1984. Uh, the script describes it as, in fact, uh, moonlight like a blue lantern. So I guess not a lantern that's blue, but a lantern that gives off. Blue light?
0: Now when I think about blue light, I'm thinking about screen time and worrying about circadian rhythms, so that's not really tracking for me. But in 1985, you would not have had that thought. It, it's very pretty. It starts on a field of stars, apparently like a blue lantern. <laughs> uh, and I, the, we have the... So my notes for this minute are that we only have the two credits. There's no starring, introducing, produced by, directed by, apparently all they care about is that Disney paid for this. I have that Kansas is in color, which we covered, and I just had the note, music. So I guess I will mention that the composer for this film is David Shire. I am kind of a movie score junkie. So I recognize the name David Shire, but now that I'm looking at his IMDb page, I don't know why, he did the music for Zodiac, lots of TV movies, Norma Rae, All the President's Men, The Conversation. He also did the music for Short Circuit, which is the only movie listed here that I remember music from, and that feels like it's kind of weird and not a ringing endorsement. But I do really love his score for this. We have a great little flourish here at the beginning. Yeah,
1: we'll be uh, introduced to the uh, character's leitmotif later on.
0: And our only characters in this minute are Dorothy Gale, who is lying awake, looking a little worried, and Toto. Except that Toto is a different kind of dog. (laughs) Apparently, in the time since the events of The Wizard of Oz, Toto has gone through some changes, and is no longer a Cairn Terrier, but is now a Border Terrier. And I looked it up online to, I was just curious to see where that came from, and the books never specified what type of dog Toto was. So I guess it doesn't really matter who you cast, you just go with the dog who's right for the role.
1: The dog who's right for the role.
0: Want to sit in on those casting lessons. (laughs) Or casting auditions, rather. Uh, but yeah, so we have Toto, and speaking of auditions and casting, as she mentions in her introduction, this is Ferusa Balk's first movie. I promised in The Pilot that I would find out if it was just her first starring role, like maybe this was just her first big no no. She had a couple TV movie credits, but according to IMDb, this is it. This is her big screen debut.
1: And uh, as we found out, it's under her stage name of Farooza Bach. Uh, Her full name or her given name is uh, Farooza Alejandra Feldhaus. Feldhaus.
0: That's how I would have pronounced it too. (laughs) Yeah, I have to admit... I really only know her from this movie and then The Craft. I know she's been in a lot of other things, but those are the two roles that really are what I think of for her.
1: do remember encountering her again in the time from childhood to uh, present day in an episode of The Family Guy. In in the episode, uh, let's see, Let's Go to the Hop, Theresa Bach plays uh, the character of Connie D'Amico, who is one of the popular kids, uh, and this you may re- remember this episode if you follow The Family Guy.
0: I do remember this one now, but continue yes. for this uh, one.
1: Peter, uh, Peter Griffin, the patriarch of the Griffin family, is required to go undercover at the high school to solve a drug problem, and he uses the name Lando Griffin. So...
0: Lando's not a Griffin?
1: He's a man. The coolest man in school, apparently. But if you want that story, you'll have to watch uh, or listen to Family Guy minute, I guess.
0: (laughs) Did you just commit to another podcast?
1: Definitely not.
0: It's a lot of minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I've forgotten he used Lando Griffin. But I mean, if you're gonna be the coolest guy in school, I feel like your name has to be Lando.
1: Yeah, Lando is by far. The coolest character in Star Wars. Outside of Chewbacca. Uh,
0: Princess Never mind, we're not getting into this fight. We're not getting into this fight. We don't have time. Alright, so... With Lando Griffin, I guess that means... We totally need to do a crossover with Pete and Alex of Star Wars Minute, huh? There's the possibility that, uh... If this is your first Movies by Minutes podcast... I'm just gonna say really quickly... That we mentioned Star Wars Minute. That was the first Movies by Minutes podcast. It has spawned an empire of podcasts that release one episode for each minute of screen time so that's why I mentioned the top this is the first 60 seconds of our movie and we're just gonna keep going to the end we started with the sequel because as far as Mike is concerned this is the first movie
1: that is correct this is uh, uh this this came first chronologically in my life and you know, from the, from then on, uh, we got a, a prequel with uh, with singing and dancing, <laughs> with uh, you know monkeys and all sorts of different takes on the on the Oz world, really.
0: Yes, we we are analyzing this in your personal release order. <laughs> I don't know which movie I saw first. I don't remember my first viewing of either *The Wizard of Oz* or *Return to Oz* they were kind of concurrent in my brain. Which is very interesting because while I said we only have two characters in this minute and they are Dorothy and Toto, we are going to get to see all sorts of new characters in this film. If you have not seen the movie Return to Oz, buckle up, get out those minutes, it is going to be a wild ride. (laughs) So my other note for this minute is you may have looked at your calendar and said, hey, wait a second. Why aren't they starting on a Monday? I thought this was a Monday through Friday sort of podcast. It will be. We'll be coming to you Monday through Friday, but we wanted to start today because June 21st was the day that Return to Oz was released in the U.S. So we did it on purpose, folks.
1: (laughs) On this, the 32nd anniversary.
0: We're both Older than Return to Oz, but not by that much, if you're trying to place where it is. Neither of us saw this movie in theaters. If you did see this movie in theaters, get in touch with us. I would be very curious to see what people's reactions were, or what they thought going into it, because it seems like most people thought it would be a straight-up sequel to The Wizard of Oz. But I... I don't see how you would get that from the trailer or the... Th- like, it, it seems pretty clear to me the minute you see any promotional material that this is a very different beast.
1: Yeah, the the trailer. We may have to, we have to talk more about the trailer later on. The trailer does portray the movie as a bit more upbeat and adventurous.
0: I mean, it is an adventure. I really didn't know there was the whole, oh, everyone's afraid of Return to Oz until... I was an adult. I know on their 30th anniversary, a lot of websites wrote think pieces about how scary it was. We'll be talking about them later. I have links to like the BuzzFeed article, the top 12 scariest moments or whatever it is, but I didn't really read this as that much scarier than a lot of other kids movies in the 80s. I mean, you have to remember, we'd only just gotten PG-13. <laughs> Thanks, Indiana Jones. I mean, I was watching Ghostbusters when I was three. Yeah, I, there are scary parts. I got that it was scary, but it, it didn't strike me as, oh, this isn't a kid's movie, which is apparently what most people thought.
1: Movies movies have undergone so many changes since the 80s. There's There were all of these fantasy adventure films coming out that it... it it's kind of like that was. that's now more of a genre than it, than it is uh, kind of a, a, a point in time about age. Like Turn to Oz and uh, what, The Princess Bride and The Dark Crystal, Never Ending Story.
0: Hey! hey. <laughs> <laughs> I also host one of these podcasts about the Never Ending Story, which is why I am so pleased that you came up with that. <laughs> Yes, this was definitely, I feel like the mid-80s kids' movies were just a golden age. We really lucked out. I mean, don't get me wrong, I would have loved to be older and have been around for Star Wars on the first go, but it, it worked out, thanks to 1997 releases. <laughs> I got to see it on the big screen, but yeah, I grew up with these. I mean, the, the movies you just listed were all the movies that were on TV in the summer. When you were stuck at home and wanted to be inside under the one air conditioner,
1: <laughs> it kind of feels like some of that is because these were live-action films. Because right after, I mean, this was considered to be a flop at the time. Uh, maybe it's still considered that way. Not to me.
0: Not in our hearts.
1: But right after this, uh, you know, Disney had their animation kind of renaissance with *The Little Mermaid* and *The Lion King* and *Aladdin*. And there are some intense scenes in those movies. But, you know, it's Disney animated violence and animated horror. You know, not really beyond what they had done in uh, Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella or or some of those.
0: I I was just thinking I was a huge fan of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the animated Disney version. Also not known for its child-friendly themes. But I also wonder, too... Not just in kids' movies, but was this the last gasp of practical effects? Because this, to me, feels very much in line with Clash of the Titans. And I mean the original folks, not that horror show that came out a few years ago. I mean real Clash of the Titans, thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, there was just an era where claymation and stop motion and all those effects were in play that I really loved. And of course, you know, with actual Star Wars, all the models, and I loved watching the behind-the-scenes documentaries of Star Wars and just just stay in those warehouses with all those models and show me the trench run a million times over and over again, I'd have been perfectly content. And this movie doesn't have quite as much of that, but there are a lot of really cool special effects going on in this movie. Not in this minute, but in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it gets it gets into a lot of very interesting... Combinations of puppetry and and costumes that you sort of feel like it went away until, until seeing some of the behind, behind the scenes of the Lord of the Rings movies, where they brought out you know all of these you know maybe they they only built a handful of orcs and then you know CG the rest but you know the handful are intricately intricately crafted and detailed and you know run by man and puppet and the artistry i guess that you that, that we will come to see very soon in some interesting characters are played by humans that 10 years later you would probably say let's just draw it in
0: oh i have whew, we've got a while to get there but i have to say i sat down and rewatched this before we started analyzing it minute by minute and folks, there's a whole character coming up in this movie that I sit here as an adult who's watched a lot of movies and I watch this and I'm just like, I don't understand how it's working. Like, I'm I'm a grown-up now. I know it's not just a fantasy. As a kid, I didn't question this at all. But, uh, you know, Mike knows who Jack Pumpkinhead is. And hopefully some of our listeners do as well. I really encourage you to watch the movie, maybe, before delving into it. Or... Watch one minute at a time. Follow along with us. That would be very interesting to hear what your experience of the movie is. But yeah, some of the characters coming, I just, I was like, I don't understand how they did that. Part of my brain is very practical of, oh, it must just be a giant puppet or a very skinny purse I I, I don't know. It doesn't seem to work in some minutes.
1: Probably wraps it up since we have another quiet minute (laughs)
0: coming up. Well, we do, and I've mentioned a couple times, you know, let us know if you saw this movie in theaters, if you haven't seen this movie and are excited to delve into it, and that, the place where you can do that is in our Listener Society on Facebook. We also have just a plain Facebook page of Return to Oz. We have the website, returntoozminute.com, and we are on Twitter at Oz Minute, Did I miss anything? Anywhere they can find us?
1: Weogtogpog.com will also take you to our webpage.
0: Woohoo! Yes, I love that. And uh, speaking of spoiler alerts, you said you noticed a couple things in this minute as we pan from the window to the bed that you think might be spoiler alerts for minutes coming.
1: Uh, well, I, I tried to look at it as, as though I had watched The Wizard of Oz, and then was seeing the sequel, and thought, okay, uh, well, I guess, spoiler alert, uh, in The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy meets the characters that she meets in Oz in Kansas first, more or less. Uh, So I was just looking around the room as they panned, and we see uh, a rocking horse, possibly a medical bag, uh, a pot of some sort, and, you know, are are these characters? Will Dorothy ride a horse? I don't know. Maybe these details are something we would find in later minutes. but
0: We'll find out. And I, I will say, I, I refuse to honor a spoiler alert for a movie that was released in 1939. Just throwing that out there. If, if you don't know the story of The Wizard of Oz, I'm sorry. Go, go catch up really quickly and then come back and join us again. Uh, for our movie, Return to Oz, do we have an official policy...
1: I don't I, you know. I, I, I hadn't thought about that.
0: <laughs> I don't think we've spoiled anything coming up, but we have a lot to cover and it's going to be very exciting. So please come back tomorrow and we will get to meet some more characters and get started on our journey of return to Oz.
1: Okay. Let's close it out. Weog? Weog?
0: Oh, sorry. Oh. You want to go first?
1: Okay. Weog,
0: are... Tiog, Piog. Piog. That one was really good. I think we. Do. I think. I think that was a
1: good one.